Hey there, I'm Jo, and this is Looking Outside, the podcast that explores new perspectives beyond the familiar. I am a CPG innovator, and with this show, I'm seeking a fresh take on business topics with some of the most influential and original thinkers. If you find yourself curiously peeking over the fence at what is happening outside your market, industry, or field of knowledge, then this show will help you to explore more of that. I'm so happy today. We're going to be talking about something a little bit different with someone who is truly inspirational and entrepreneurial. We're going to be talking about career pivots and how you can change who you are and what you do at any point of your life. For that, we are joined by Nihal Advani. Hey, Nihal. Hey, Joe. Really nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. So Nihal and I actually met at a live event a few weeks ago. We had the, I would say, the pleasure of having a pretty in-depth life reevaluation conversation. And I, I learned so much about you and about your journey to where you are today, which I found so inspirational and so motivating that I thought our audience absolutely has to hear it. So I'm so happy that you're joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. No, likewise, I was very inspired by your journey as well. Ah, thank you. So what we might do is start off by you telling the audience a little bit about yourself. I'm Nihal. I was born uh, in India, in Mumbai, and I played uh, college tennis. I mean, so I played tennis rather than not college tennis, but tennis my childhood. My childhood was all about tennis, and that's actually what got me to the U.S. through college tennis and uh, ended up starting career at uh, Google as an intern and then graduated, joined Microsoft, uh, did that, and then eventually started my own business. So what I do today is uh, I have a company called Qualsites, and it's all about getting deep, authentic insights from consumers anywhere in the world. And we help brands in a variety of different industries, CPG being one of them as well. Amazing. And I think what's really inspiring about that is that you've pivoted a few times, not just once in your career, but a few times across your your career or your life. So you've gone from tennis and, and going into like professional competitive tennis to then, you know, pivoting towards studying and then working in the tech industry for somebody else and now working for yourself and creating your own business. So do you find that you've always been that way inclined that you're able to sort of move yourself into a completely different space? I think so, yeah. I think uh, while I've not actively like thought about it that way, right, things have kind of happened naturally. It's one of those things where if I set my mind to something, I'll do it. And if I do something, I have to do it well, otherwise I won't do it. And so that's <laughs> sort of been my motto throughout. And so I pick one thing typically and just kind of go really deep and kind of just let everything else go and just focus on that thing. And that's that's where... Each of those times, I think I was able to kind of using that mindset, uh, reinvent myself, or at least we, we, we change or kind of pivot my direction. Mm, incredible. So let's talk about your career in tennis then. So how long did you do that for? Yeah, I actually started late. You know, I used to be an athlete before. And when I was 13, uh, I got just stumbled into tennis. Uh, it's, a, it's a long story, but uh, short version is I just happened to play like an inter-school tournament because there was a spot available and... I won one match, really, really terrible match. Both of us were very bad, but that's sort of what got me into tennis. And uh, I was no looking back ever since then. And um, so while I started late at 13, the rest of my teenage years were all devoted to tennis. And I played uh, internationally for India as a junior. 
But then when I was 18, I had a fork in the road where I could either go pro or, you know, come to the U.S. for college tennis, which is still great level of tennis, uh, D1 tennis in the U.S., but of course was not going pro. And I personally wasn't too happy about that, but my parents were much wiser than me at the time and uh, were like, hey, you need an education to fall back on. And so uh, they kind of urged me and pushed me to take that route, which now looking back, I'm very happy I did. Back then, I wasn't so happy, but yeah. Yeah, so was was it always, always in your mind that you would have almost like a plan B? Because I know a lot of people who do sports, they sort of recognize that, you know, at, at a certain point you need to like become a coach or go behind the scenes or whatever it might be. Did you always have like a plan B in mind or did it just happen? I didn't. My parents gave me that plan B. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, it was a plan A and that's all that I'm doing. There's nothing else when I was young and uh, yeah, crazy. But um, mm. they're the ones that said, hey, you have to have a plan B, right? What happens if you you know, injure yourself, which I did end up doing, by the way. But uh, what happens if you do that? And, you know, what will you fall back on? You need to have at least a college degree. And so that's where I had this really great opportunity to come to the U.S. and, you know, study for free and play great tennis still. And they basically mm-hmm. had me defer that decision, said, hey, you can go pro after you get your college degree if you want to. And that was a very smart move. Yeah, very smart parents. Very wise. <laughs> So as you were doing your business degree, did you find that you sort of felt like fell in love with it as you were diving into that world or were you still very attached to tennis? No, it's, that's when really, it's actually my junior year. I transferred in my junior year at this one professor. He doesn't even realize how much he's impacted my life, but uh, Mark Palermo, he's amazing. And he had us pick one company. And at the time, you know, I didn't even know anything about Google. My sister started to use Google and talked about it, but everyone was using Yahoo and all that. And I was like, this seems interesting. So I picked Google just to learn about it. And in each week, he had us kind of focus on a different part of the company, right? So marketing and sales and finance and so on and so forth. Then I just fell in love with Google particularly because it was just such an inspiring company. And that kind of really changed my path because I ended up applying to Google as an intern and luckily got in and the rest was history. That's when I started to really get excited about technology and Mm. And then from Google is then when you moved into straight into Microsoft? I was also an immigrant and, you know, Microsoft was much better for business, uh, mm. you know, uh, graduates on the visa front. Had an amazing time there for five years in a variety of different roles on the search advertising and then display advertising side. Yeah, so more of that marketing, marketing side of it where you, I guess you started to get an inkling of that consumer space, right? Like how do you understand your consumer and provide something unique for them? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. It was the early days of that. And it's something where I kind of, even then, while I was in school, I got inspired also to start my own business. I was I was writing ideas, you know, on a daily basis, probably. I remember being on the train at times, just like riding away. And so I always had the inclination to be entrepreneurial, but I knew I wasn't ready. Mm. And so I picked Microsoft and just a company in general to work at, to learn. And knowing that eventually I would very likely someday kind of leave and start my own thing. And what I really love is that you said that you you almost like had this idea or had this drive within you, like you knew that you wanted to start your own business, but you had enough wisdom or patience to pull back and really like you knew that you had to learn the ropes first. You wanted to really learn from how it was done well by Microsoft and find the right time to then go and take that leap. So how did you know when it was the right time? Yeah, that was that was quite the challenge, right? It was It was something where looking back, would have done a bit sooner? Maybe. Maybe I would have. You know, it's just mm. now that I'm on this side of the fence, you know, it's always like, oh, I wish I had started sooner and so on and so forth. But back up. But beyond that, I just started to find, um, you know, there was 
only that much I could do within a large comp- company when you're, you know, you know, just one small person. And so while I was making a great impact, it was still something that there was so much red tape and, you know, so much, so many hurdles to kind of go through to see something mm-hmm. to, to fruition. And I was always, even while I came in on the, the marketing side, I was always a builder. So even at Microsoft in every one of these roles, I was building tools because the development team at Microsoft was taking six months, typically at the time, to, to build something new. So I would build things on Excel. And that's sort of why I moved into five roles because each department kind of wanted me to kind of work on <laughs> stuff that actually wasn't the real job. It was just mm. my titles are one thing I was doing, like building kind of behind the scenes. And so because I was building, I was seeing things kind of being done fast, even if they were basic crude tools in Excel and Visual Basic and so, and so on. And that's when I knew, okay, hey, listen, I'm really good at this. I, I'm kind of ready because I've done a few of these. I've kind of launched them internally. It's done well. And now I need a team. I'm not a, the best coder or anything. I was just dabbling because uh, I'd never even learned how to code. But I need to kind of build my team and start my thing. And as soon as I got my citizenship was when I, uh, I quit myself. So, Wow. There's so much incredible insight into everything that you just said there. And I want to come back to something which was that you were building throughout. So you're, you're almost like a creator, right? Like you you said you, you write a lot. You think a lot about, you know, what could exist that currently doesn't exist, you go and then build it. So how did you work out that that was like a strength of yours? And did you lean into that pretty early in your career as kind of working out what you're really good at and just like doubling down on that? I think a few months in, right? It took me a few months to just kind of learn the ropes and just understand, you know, what's going on. But once I did that and I started to see some gaps, there were a couple of folks within as well, you know, peers that were doing stuff. And I was like, hey, I want to kind of lean in. And so initially I started kind of working with those couple of folks and kind of helping them. And then I started to build my own tools when I realized like this is something you can do and they're encouraging you to do. Mm. And my manager, I think, was very, very key because you could have had, I could have had a manager who was like, hey, nope, that's not what you were hired for. Focus and stay in your lane, right? But mm-hmm. he was seeing that. And every time I did something, it was actually quite impactful. Uh, and he was like, yeah, no worries, keep going, keep going. And I used to work insane hours. I mean, I was working ridiculous hours just because that was just that was just me i enjoyed it they in fact if anything would tell me to kind of slow down right because they were like hey you're, you're here all the time what are you doing but uh having a manager that was that flexible allowed yeah. me to kind of do what i kind of really enjoyed and supported me encouraged me in fact so much so that that kind of cultivated my passion for for creating and then just kind of being able to do that throughout uh, my career at Microsoft was great yeah, that's so amazing. And I think a lot of people would be able to really resonate with that. I know I certainly do. It's like those things that you know you're really good at and maybe are a bit of a unique skill that maybe not everybody has that give you a lot of energy. Like you just want to keep putting into that. And sometimes it means, you know, more time, more work, more overtime. It's quite unique, I think, when people recognize that in themselves. Did you find that whether it was your manager or other people inside of Microsoft, there were like a handful of people that were similar to you or did you always feel like you were quite distinct? I think there was there was at least one person. In fact, he ended up in my last role was actually my peer as well. It was amazing. Uh, was, a, um, was, was very similar. So I definitely learned a lot from him in the early days. But otherwise, we were the two unicorns kind of there, right? So we were the, the yeah. folks that people would lean on for these sorts of things. And a manager that supported you. Yes, to, that was, that was huge. That. that was absolutely huge. And then, of course, after that, because my first manager cultivated it, every other manager kind of brought me on knowing that. It was quite interesting where people kind of knowingly over time realized, okay, hey, while they can do these things, we really want them for this other creative, you know, buildings type of skill mm. that's mm. going to help us kind of really figure things out. And so uh, 
it was great to see other managers uh, really, uh, you know, capitalize on that as well. Yeah, and, and you almost became known for it and it became like the, the credibility that you would bring or the unique value that you bring. It's like building that reputation. For sure. Yeah, exactly. It was, that was what I definitely became known for internally. And uh, yeah, it, was, it was a great feeling because uh, people used to you know, come to me when they had ideas, even if I hadn't thought of something. Before we get into then how you started your own first business and, and all that comes with that, which is going to be fascinating, but... As you're doing all of that and your five years at Microsoft and your internship at Google, like all of that sounds very different to playing tennis, right? Because I imagine that playing tennis is a little bit like it's strategic in a lot of ways, but it's it's very physical and it's it's a little bit more like you have to be in the moment. I, I mean, I don't know, I'm making a lot of assumptions here, but you have to be in the moment versus when you're in business, you're always sort of thinking ahead to what's needed in the future. So, like, what were the similarities between the two for you, or were they so different that that was the appeal? Yeah, tennis was something, as I mentioned, I stumbled on, and, you know, yes, it was very different in the sense that, of course, it's, it's completely physical. Yes, there's a lot of strategy involved, but, you know, the, the level of, you know, commitment and exercise that one needs to have. I mean, I was doing eight-hour days in terms of, like, some level of tennis-related exercise, whether it's playing tennis or exercising for it. And so it required a lot of dedication. And I think the commitment and dedication and the passion, in fact, even as you get into So while you're playing tennis as a junior, you're playing singles, maybe doubles. I was much more of a singles guy. But when I moved to the U.S., tennis became a team sport, which is very interesting. When you're just playing competitively, it's not a team sport. But when you're in college tennis, it is very much a team sport. You're playing another college and you have all these points and you relay singles and doubles. And so that even helped you build team building skills, right? And I eventually was captain and helped you build leadership skills. And so really learned a lot. I think a big part of where I am today is because of tennis, is because how my my focus, my, my passion, my determination, all of that was something that, you know, you, you lose a lot of times and you have to kind of get up and kind of, you know, keep going. And so all of those learnings at a young age definitely have helped over time because as a startup person, you know, you definitely have tremendous amount of ups and downs. And so being able to kind of stay, keep your head, head up and, uh, you know, keep focusing and going forward when, you know, things go wrong is very, very important mm-hmm. to stay the course. You've actually just made me think back to a friend that I used to work with in one of my first career gigs and he came from the AFL and he actually ended up going back into the AFL, so football in Australia. And I think one of the things that was really unique about him was like his consistency. So it made me think back to when you were saying you you have to have a certain level of perseverance inside of sport. Like I love all the other elements you touched on, like teamwork and about strategy and, th- and you know, really thinking through about your goal but also that persistence, I imagine, because you know you're in it for the long run. And I imagine persistence inside of that corporate space like, and all of those skills would have been super transferable. Passion and persistence are my two biggest qualities as a person. Those are what have helped me throughout all those three things, right? Whether it be tennis, whether it be a corporate job or whether it be my own, my own company. I think those are the two things I'm strongest at and have helped me along the way for sure. Mm, and helpful throughout so much change. So let's move into the next big change in your life. Oh my gosh, like such a journey. So then you started your own business. So was that, first first and foremost, was that frightening? A little bit. I think one of the things that happens is, you know, when you take the plunge, right? Taking, taking the plunge is the most frightening part. And I think that's where, unfortunately, a lot of people, they decide not to, right? Because it is a big mm. risk. But once you actually take the plunge, 
it's you figure things out you know it's just it's mm-hmm. it's not that i mean it's hard of course but it's not like it it feels like it's a huge mountain but you're really taking it step by step and therefore you're not looking at the top you're just focusing on the 5 10 steps ahead of you right mm-hmm. and so that's really where um it doesn't become you know that no racking or frightening anymore once you take the plunge um, yeah. And one step at a time. So I think one of the earliest steps you would have done was to figure out what is that thing that you're going to create? What is that thing that's not currently existing that you can bring as a unique value? So did that come to you throughout your sort of five years at Microsoft and you already knew what you wanted to do? Or did you like sit down and really think through it? The crazy thing is I actually knew in college. Ah. Uh, it's, it's so it's so crazy. I mean, it feels that's like awesome. it was so long ago, but I mm-hmm. remember clearly during that business course I was telling you about that I had an idea around this map, like a map-based mm-hmm. vision. It was not it was not perfect. It was a very abstract idea at the time, and I was I was building on it. But I was very passionate about travel, and uh, for some reason, the whole idea of having the ability to tr- plan travel on a map, completely mm-hmm. on a map, like a completely visual-looking travel planner, is the early days of which I was kind of jotting down in my in my business in my school in my college. But then, of course, Microsoft, I was super focused on Microsoft. And then towards the end there, that's when when I kind of realized, okay, I'm ready to take the plunge. I kind of brought that idea back and then kind of, of course, refined it. And so I ended up leaving Microsoft to start a travel company, travel planning startup, which was called Jirama. And uh, the whole notion was to help people find where to go. Of course, a couple of years later, it didn't work out uh, in that it was very hard to make money. And that's really the reason why there's... Travel planning has been a tough industry. Many other startups have tried and failed, unfortunately, mm. because um, people end up making money. The monetization aspect was something that is always on on booking, and that's a commodity, and you've got major players in the space that's very hard to compete with. And so we ended up pivoting and uh, pivoted a couple times, in fact, before we got to what we do today. And so it's the same company 10 years later, but doing a very, very different thing. And over the last few years, we've finally been very successful. Did, was Corsites like an extension of that idea that just evolved naturally, or did you sort of like stop and really think about what Corsites was going to be? No, it kind of it, there was another pivot in, in the, on the way. So it's been a couple of pivots to get Corsites. So start off as travel planning in, but that was 2012 and 2014. Sometime realized, okay, hey, we're not we're not getting anywhere with this. You know, it's it's being hard to kind of monetize. And as a company in Chicago, particularly, especially at the time. Mm-hmm. The investors are much more risk averse here. You have to have real a real business. You can't just have, you know, user growth. We had a few hundred thousand users and everything, but like that was not enough to kind of be getting loads of cash to kind of go out and build this without revenue. And so that's where we said, hey, what can we do that's truly unique? And so we said, okay, what can we do? And for us, the, the idea, there was a light bulb mobile around virtual travel because you and I happen to be one of the fortunate, you know, few in the grand scheme of things that get to travel a lot. But... Mm-hmm. Most people in the world, or many, many people in the world, don't get to travel as much as they'd like. And so it's all about helping people travel the world virtually and basically explore and understand the world remotely. This was, of course, well before the pandemic and everything else. And mm-hmm. it's something that allowed us to build this whole new technology around live video. Ended up essentially uh, going beyond travel and doing inspections and doing virtual field trips. We worked with NASA, for example, to do virtual field trips for, uh, for kids who couldn't go to NASA, right? Because it was too mm-hmm. far for field trip. And things like that. And over the course of that, we realized that we had this great technology that was so useful in so many different verticals, but we weren't kind of getting the growth we wanted in that. We were so kind of spread thin. And that's really where in 2017, we got into an accelerator out in the valley where we said, hey, let's use you know this program to find the one vertical we can truly own and truly be a master of rather than being jack of all trades. 
And that's where Call Sites was born, in that we did research, ironically, to figure out that it was research and insights that had a big pain point that we could solve in terms of remotely doing ethnography and remotely understanding human behavior from your desk. And that's where the pivot, mm. the final pivot happened. And uh, it's been, uh, you know, never looking back since. Yeah. And it's it's been incredibly successful as well. So what I really love about all of that is that you really understand what pivot means. I think pivot is used inside of business so much and potentially overused or misunderstood. But a pivot is really about making some progress, stopping and evaluating what's working, what's not, and making changes to then push forward. And that's what it feels like you've been doing with this company, but also like I I know I listened to the Success Story podcast, which I'll link in this because I really enjoyed it. But you said that you even changed the name of the company to I think more accurately reflect what you're what you're offering. Like the openness to make changes is such an important part of those pivots, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's critical, right? Because that's, I mean, for at least the way I think about it is if you're not constantly being adaptable, if you're not mm-hmm. constantly kind of listening to what's out there, listening to consumers, understanding the macro environment, so on and so forth, eventually you will, you know, you will fail or you will be beaten by somebody else. And so that's really where we're always kind of paying attention to, you know, and make the, of course, we've had some big pivots along the way. But there's a lot of mini micro kind of changes and twists and turns we've taken to make those big pivots because that's Mm. what at least I believe is needed to kind of really keep staying ahead. Yeah, definitely. So what are you most proud of with Qualsites and what like where you are today? Because I know that there's probably more pivots and more changes to come for you. So what are you like really content with in terms of what you've achieved with that company to date? Yeah, I mean, there's still a long way to go, obviously, but uh, recently, just a few months ago, in fact, uh, we were just ranked as the fastest growing company in the state of Illinois, the fastest of any kind, the fastest growing software company uh, in the entire Midwest and the fourth fastest in the US and by two different sources, uh, not just Inc. 5000, but also Financial Times. We even grew faster than Zoom during the pandemic. So, uh, you know, <laughs> th- those few accolades that we got a couple Amazing. months ago uh, were really, really exciting. And so I'd say that was, you know, while there's many other things in terms of, you know, product, I'm, I'm most passionate about product, but in terms of just mm. achievement and, you know, external kind of credibility, I think that mm. would be perhaps the biggest so far. And uh, the team is really pumped about it and, you know, they've earned it. We've, we've worked really hard to, to get this far. And so I can imagine that, you know, celebrating the success of where you are or just celebrating success of what you've achieved at each of those sort of milestones before you pivot is really important. I think a lot of people get a little bit stuck on like what they're what they're proud of that they've created or what they're like personally really passionate about and maybe have trouble changing that or have trouble like flexing on that original idea that they came up with because they fall a little bit in love with it. I think it's quite natural. So how do you do that? How do you sort of like detach yourself from your own, like what you've fallen in love with and that original idea to be able to flex? It's a great question. Yeah, it's uh, it's very hard. And what's harder is not just you. So, because you can control you, right? Mm-hmm. What's harder is to get your entire team to believe in what's new, right? So mm-hmm. I remember clearly when we were doing that first pivot from travel to virtual travel, it was a very small team at the time, maybe six, seven people. And... I got into the room one day, I had this idea, you know, I worked on a little bit, you know, for a few days before I obviously bought into the team. And when I was convinced, okay, this is going to be bigger and better, and I'd convinced myself, I then had the task, of course, the big task of convincing the team. And two different teams. One was the business, six, seven people was the business side in Chicago. But then we had the whole India team where our entire tech team was, and that was also a big challenge, of course, very hard because they built the thing. Right? So tell them to drop all the stuff that they built over the last few years and switch to something different is very, very hard. And mm. it was kind of 
In fact, the first time I brought up the idea, hey, we're going to do this virtual travel thing. This was when live video didn't exist. I mean, there was no Insta, Facebook Live, none of these things. It was, it was very, very novel. So people were like, you're crazy. Like their first, everyone's first reaction was, this is nuts, you're mad. And then as I talked about it and I explained more and I kind of talked about all the different things, they're like, ah. And then so it just it took a couple of days, you know, to get people on board, but it happened. And I think so the, the, the way to do it is, of course, you have to be convinced. And, and of course, on one end, if you're convinced, especially if you are the person who kind of started it and had that original idea, and if you can convince yourself that there is a better thing out there that will be better overall for your company, and you do it logically and of course not you know not right not irrationally and not quickly you know, take your time through it then you know that well you know if you can make that change in your mind and you know make that switch in your mind then you should hopefully be able to kind of bring that out in others as well and then of course in fact everybody eventually got very excited about you know the new idea including our investors which is another you know party that's involved that's also challenging right hey I invested in you for this and now you're doing that but every single one of them, thankfully, was really supportive and thought this was a much better idea. And you touched on something there because I, I feel like you use the word passion quite a lot. I know you said it's like one of your, the markers of your your drive is passion. And I feel like you're quite intuitive. Like you're very, you seem very observational, like you're really paying attention to the gaps in the world and what people need, what business ideas could exist. So quite intuitive but also very logical and very uh, like plan focused strategic at the same time. Do you find that your personality sort of like adapts to one way or the other, depending on what's needed? Or, or do you find that you sort of are a lot more intuitive as a thinker? I, I'm, yeah, you're right in that. I have, I have, I have that intuition. I'm really, really, um, it's interesting to pick up on that, but I'm very intuitive, not just in, in business, but even just with people. And I have, but at the same time, I am very, you know, uh, structured and not organized in my personal kind of stuff, but organized in terms of my thinking, yes, structured that way. I think it's a combination of my mom and my dad, honestly, you know. I think my mom is a very intuitive kind of person and then my dad's a very kind of logical, structured. And so mm. having both of that has been a good fortune of mine. How do you calm yourself down? Because I, I can imagine that you've got like a ton of ideas floating around, new ideas that we'll see in market very soon, I'm sure, because you'll, you'll keep pumping them out. But how do you pull yourself back? Because I know that you said you would have done things faster if you could have. And you obviously have a great level of patience and perseverance to get to where you are today. But I can imagine that there are times when like, you know, you want to avoid burning out and you want to like keep that energy level going so how do, how do you do that absolutely yeah that's that's been an important kind of learning for me right because especially in the first few years i went i mean i still go very hard but i went very very hard i'm not joking like 20 hour days it was some crazy i, I would be in the office one day work the team would be there right they would go at a normal time which is good i always encourage others not to do what i was doing come back the next day i'd still be in office working and i'd work the next day with them too like i've done some crazy <laughs> things in the early days and um mm. I realized that over time, if I kept doing that, not just health, of course, I had all kinds of you know, health challenges by doing things like that, but it was more so around that burnout, right? That's the one thing I didn't want to do because I had the passion to not be burnt out. But eventually, you know, no matter what, how much passion you have, if you do or don't do the right things to kind of ease off, you will burn out. And mm -hmm. so the two things I've used over the course of my time, one of them you, you laugh at because I think you know that about me, is kind of going out, right? Just weekends. <laughs> I... I 
a long time ago, as in a few years ago, I decided that I'm not going to work weekends. I used to work weekends as well before. And I was like, no, no, no. Weekends, I am not touching anything. And I'm just going out and I love music. And so I'll go, you know, watch some DJs and do things like that. So that's one. And the other one is travel, where I'm still, of course, extremely passionate about travel. That was the original idea back in the day. And so those are the two things I use as a way to kind of kind of decompress and just relax, even if it's a short thing. And uh, the pandemic even allowed me to do both at once, right? I was able to travel. I've worked remotely for most of the pandemic in Costa Rica and had, again, well, weekdays, I'm still working really hard. Weekends was kind of like traveling, uh, right? And mm. still be working. And so now with remote work and everything, I think I have more opportunities to do that. And to be able to kind of be anywhere and work is, is an amazing opportunity. I'm so jealous about that because I, I find that I, like you, I think you and I are quite similar in that we're driven by what drives us. So what we're passionate about. And I tend to pull that into my weekends. And then I, I have a lot of trouble to kind of like push that out and really switch into a completely different mindset. So I love that you're able to do that. And you're, you seem very present when you do that as well. Like, you know, when you're listening to music, you're not just doing that at home. You're actually like taking yourself into another physical location where you can fully decompress and enjoy yourself and immerse yourself into something totally different. For sure. No, absolutely. That's, that's, that's the way at least I, I, I find is best, right? You just then can totally kind of, it's a different environment completely. Yeah. Same thing with travel, right? It's a different environment. Um, and so being able to immerse yourself into something different and then kind of gives you that ability to kind of come back, kind of, again, focus again for the work week and then do it again. So, yeah. Love it. And you gave me a really great segue there because the change of environment is one thing I want to talk about, which is linked into your point about, you know, when you came to the US and you studied and then you started your career here and, you know, now you've got a company that you own inside of the US, but you were born and raised in Mumbai in India. So that that change of environment and I guess that comparison in your mind, uh, and I'm, I'm sort of talking as another immigrant from born in Poland, came to Australia and now in the US, like that change of environment really pushes you outside of your comfort zone and makes you appreciate all of the opportunities that come your way. Is that a part of, do you think, what gives you that energy of being in the US? You know, at a young age, even with my tennis, right, I was traveling the world playing tennis before mm. I ever came to the U.S. and doing it solo. My yeah. parents were both working parents and I didn't want them to come actually with me. So it was great. Like we, they got to work and I got to do my thing. And so mm. I was traveling, you know, independently for quite a while. And then, of course, moved to the U.S. and, you know, just being able to kind of even at one point I lived in Canada for a year when I had visa issues because there was a lottery system that I didn't get lucky in and so on and so forth. And so. Every time to kind of, it's hard, you know, especially when, you know, you're going to new place and like in Canada where I didn't know anybody, but it kind of pushes you to do more. Right. And Mm. the the funny story about my Canada experience was I had just gotten out of school and my first year at Microsoft, I still, Microsoft was kind enough to kind of put me in Canada when I had the visa issues. And, but I went to Canada knowing nobody came back and I actually knew more people and had more friends in Canada than my four years in college because I had worked that much harder to kind of immerse myself in that new environment and to kind of make new friends and make an effort. And so sometimes when you're kind of faced with something that's new, you know, you kind of step up even more. It kind of forces you to kind of rise to that next level in whatever different way. And so, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been, it's been great. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely pushes you outside of your comfort zone to make, make new connections because your old connections are harder to maintain 
when you're on the other side of the world. And I love that you like embrace that everywhere that you go. And it seems like you embrace that with a really positive mindset as well. Like you're just a very positive person. Like Nihal smiles and you smile back into it like instantly, just that, that kind of person. So I'm an optimist. Uh, I get that from my mother. She's, if you think I'm that way, oh my God, like she is a whole new level. Uh, but I mean, of course, I, you know, it's not like I'm so optimistic that I don't, you know, think of like the negatives and stuff. No, no. I, I obviously mm-hmm. have the, you know, the feelings of, okay, hey, you know, this is hard or this is this and that. But then being able to be, you know, positive and stay, you know, stay positive through that and having that passion to make something happen. And then the persistence, I think those go hand in hand and helping you overcome the adversity or the challenges that you may face when in a new environment or a new pivot or whatever it may be, because, you know, you're not going to ignore the fact that things are hard and things are challenging, but having that positive attitude and that persistence, um, you know, the persistence behind it allows you to kind of keep going. And so you said make something happen. So for those of us who maybe have a lot of ideas, but don't, know how to bring them to life or maybe don't have, I don't know, the courage to bring them to life? What's like a piece of advice that you would give that's helped you to actually, you know, turn that idea into something real? And it's exactly what you actually said already. It's most people don't have the courage, courage enough to make that plunge, right? It's, they have great ideas, right? They just don't have either the courage, it's not not even courage, it's like the risk appetite, right? Mm -hmm. And so that is the first thing like, yes, you know, one may have a great idea and they may think it's great. There's, they sometimes like, oh, you know, is this really great? By which they can, of course, vet out with their friends and even like people who they don't know as well. So there's no bias. So that's one way to kind of ensure and, you know, get feedback from others and people who've been there and done that to, to kind of ensure it is truly a, a nice idea, a good idea. But the next and the biggest kind of challenge is really overcoming that hump of, should I take this risk? Whatever risk it may be, it may not be mean, mean like, you know, you know, stopping your job and, you know, plunging into entrepreneurship. It could be doing something on the side or whatever it is, but being able to kind of take those baby steps. And I, in my, in my case, that's what I did too. While I was waiting on my, you know, eventual, you know, citizenship, I actually moonlighted in my nighttime, you know, at Microsoft the last year or so where I started this on the side and I did this in my mm. free time. And then when I was ready with my citizenship and I even had my first investment come in, I took the plunge. And so you can take calculated risks depending on your situation, but the key is to kind of cultivate it and don't just stop at the idea, especially if you've you know vetted it out and it is a great one. The key is to kind of keep moving forward and you'll figure things out as they, as they come. Yeah, I love that. And I love the word cultivating the idea as well. It's not feeling like, I think you said this before, it doesn't have to be perfect and you don't need to do it right now. It's just keep building on it, keep working on it, keep learning. I can imagine that a part of that is then being really curious and open to what's happening in the outside world to then sort of evolve your own thinking and and evolve your ideas. So final question for you is that what's something that is your go-to when you're trying to do that, when you're trying to sort of remain curious and open about the outside world and you're trying to look outside and bring that in? Yeah, you know, I've got a few things I use. Uh, one is not completely outside, but I have an amazing set of advisors that mm. we've kind of bought on uh, on board and from different walks of life to kind of help with that. Um, so I definitely lean on them uh, is one thing I do. The other thing I do, which is kind of really outside, is I'm, a, I'm not a big reader, actually. Um, and so I'm a more audiovisual and Netflix, particularly some of those documentaries and, you know, things like Explained. I don't know if you've, you've seen one of those, but it's amazing. I, I'm a big fan. I'm highly considering actually setting aside a couple hours a week 
forcing myself to watch some of those because <laughs> they're just so enlightening in terms mm -hmm. of, you know, all the things and so many just, I'm, for example, I'm obsessed with genetics. And one day I hope to, you know, have something within there too. But like, it's just, uh, you learn so many things and that allows you not just to expand your mind, but also, as you said, to make connections and help bring those outside thoughts in. Learn from other industries, learn from other people. There's so many, so many things, too much to learn to a little time. Thank you so much for being on the show and for your time. Thank you so much for having me and the kind words, really appreciate it. Yeah, really enjoy the conversation as well. If you enjoyed hearing how Nihal pivoted his career and his life, please rate and follow the show. Until next time, keep looking outside.